dedicated to discussing movies relegated to a late-night purgatory. I am one of your hosts, Pat Mitchell, and joining me on this cinematic expedition is Adam Walker. Adam, we're back for episode two, season two, episode two. How are you feeling? <clears throat> we made it through another week to get here. Neither one of us have died of COVID-related symptoms yet. Oh, God. I, I guess we could have been diagnosed in that in that period. We could have. Um, I've got a cool cracking a beer sound here. We go. Oh yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's it. Complements my belch. Yeah, I got beer just all over my freshly renovated uh, MacBook. That's fun. I should have waited because I cracked open a Diet Coke, so we could have like you know simultaneously like cracked well, them open. I, and- much like beer, uh, much like my consumption of beer, I've got more in the chamber. <laughs> so. Well. <laughs> Maybe, maybe we'll have to do a celebratory cracking open of cans later. I, I typically – I don't like to consume more than yeah, than I imagine than your, <laughs> your soda intake, if it was like my beer intake, would be an unhealthy yeah, it'd be consumption. <laughs> it would not be good. And the thing is, you know, for years – so as I've intimated on other episodes, I am not an alcohol drinker. <laughs> You know this. So I, I, I'm, I'm a fairly viceless individual, um, but I do like caffeine, mostly because of the fact that for most of my life, I've always been a pretty 
sleepy guy. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm always kind of sleepy. And, and that's even with all the things I do in my life to try to keep my energy up. But anyways, but I've always been someone that needed some sort of chemical sort of intermediary in that regard. So I've always drank soda or energy drinks and shit like that. So that is my, that's my vice. And for a long time, I didn't drink any diet like regular soda, but like, this is the thing. People, a lot of people, they like to get shamey about when you drink soda, but there was a meme that I saw once that, that just perfectly summed this up where it was the, I can't believe you still drink soda starter pack thing. And it was this litany of all much more terrible items on there, like a pile of Coke and American spirit cigarettes, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. And that kind of like dawned on me. Like if anything, I was, I was like, yeah, this is how people are. People that would say like, why do you drink a soda are much, much more unhealthy in terms of what their consumption is. than I am, I've been a vegetarian for 20 plus years. I go to the gym regularly. Give me a fucking soda once in a while. Like, you know, so I'm like, fuck it. I, I, I didn't, I did not mean to touch a nerve. No, no, no. I know you didn't. I know you didn't, but it, it is a subject for me where I'm like, suck my balls. You know, yeah, it's, do, it's do a nice do, dude. I don't care. It's a nice treat, but I don't drink sugary sodas. I don't, I only drink sugar free. So that's the thing. I trade in the sugar for the, uh, the carcinogens, the carcinogenic, uh, ingredients. Yeah. I, I, I'm fine with that, buddy. I, okay. limit my, I, li- I know, I know you are. I'm just saying. I'll drink for, for both our, of us. For our li- for our listeners, I I treat myself with it with once in a while, periodic diet coke. No product placement there. Oh God, fuck no. Although coke coke, if you if you're listening and you want to bankroll Midnight Flix, sponsored by Diet Coke. (laughs) Because if there's another exactly, if there's another thing I've learned, there's no ethical consumption under capitalism. So at this point, I don't give a fuck. I'll sell out. Hey, well, motherfuckers. I know for a fact that one of your other vices is uh, unmitigated, uh, uncensored viscera. <laughs> Ooh, beautiful segue. Thank you. Thank you for getting me off the subject of talking, ranting about cola consumption. I look. I just looked down. And I was like, I just know this is going to be a ninety-minute soda <laughs> soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yes, you're right. Good call, my friend. I do love, I love gore. I love blood and guts. All murder, all guts, all fun. Which is perfect, because uh, tonight's episode is one of, just one of my favorite movies of all time. Dead Alive, uh, which is the U.S. title, the New Zealand or original international title is Brain Dead. Yes. Um, and it's uh, back when Peter Jackson was fun. I like to say uh, he had a litany of really fun movies um, that I love. I love I love uh, Bad Taste. I love Meet the Feebles. Um, but Dead Alive is my favorite of the of his first pocket of movies when he was kind of exploring the horror genre. And before he became 
simply known as the Lord of the Rings guy and the guy who fucked up King Kong, although he like <laughs> loves King Kong the most out of anybody in Hollywood that I know. So I, you know, it sucks that he fucked up King Kong, but, um, this movie, Dead Alive specifically, is has a ton of homages to his love of King Kong. Um, yes. Ironically. I don't know how long it's been for you. Even though this is one of my favorite movies, um, I haven't seen it in a, in a hot minute. So watching it last night was so much fun because I hadn't seen it recently. And it brought back a lot of memories. But I, I would love to hear where you stand with uh, your viewings on it and, and just initial thoughts off the top. Well, yes. So I would say it had been a while for me as as, as well. Um, I think I mentioned last, maybe not on the mic, but last week, Fridays at the end of my work week, because uh, I work early mornings, I get kind of cashed out when it comes rolling around midnight. So both times that we've watched movies for this, I've watched it on Friday and I get about halfway through and I'm starting to pass out which is unfortunate. But what I do is the next day when I wake up, I get myself plenty of coffee, get a bagel that in me. happened and again? Happened again. No, God. <laughs> so this I rewired test for the season. I would love to see which movie it is that, that kept you like it, it, the movie served as, as like a, a fucking shot in the arm. Served as an accelerant and adrenaline. Yes. Uh, uh, and, and amphetamine. well, yeah, and again, it has nothing to do with the movies. It's just I'm no, just. No, I know it doesn't. Yeah, like I said, I'm a sleepy guy. So I woke up this morning and I went back and I rewatched uh, the things that I knew for sure that I had kind of like dipped in and out of sleep and wanted to be fresh for for recording. So, anyways, and like last week when I was watching The Hitcher, I was very excited and my amusement level was peaking while I was watching it this morning. So maybe that's just what I just need to do. I just need to watch it on Saturday mornings before. Like so. your fucked up Saturday cartoons. Exactly. So um, I can't remember exactly the first time I saw this, but I will say yes as well. This is the first of the early Peter Jackson movies that I've seen, that I had seen. Um, I think after it might have been Bad Taste and then Meet the Feebles. So like in that order, I kind of saw them. And... I actually saw at least meet the feet. No, yes, at least meet the feebles after um, the Lord of the Rings came out. So I saw it pretty, pretty well after, you know, it had already been, you know, canon or, you know, like it had been in the pantheon of, of great cult movies. So, and yeah, I mean, I loved it. I love it. Uh, it's a super fun movie and it's one of those movies that you definitely like, if you have a chance, you want to buddy watch it. It's a buddy movie. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a laughing and and uh, yelling at the screen with a with a group of friends. Yeah, we're talking yeah. Meet the Feebles. Well, yeah, that too. But I'm talking about Dead Alive. Oh, okay. Yes, but yes, all of them. Bad taste. All three. Meet yeah, the they really are. I've watched them all with groups of people. Um, specifically, I remember. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I watched all three with a good friend of mine from Fort Wayne, Nate Herbert, who we were roommates at, at two different houses at, at one point. And that was our thing. We, we would just find crazy, you know, 
fucked up movies and sit around and watch them and, you know, have a good old time. So, um, yeah, I, uh, this movie is super fun and, uh, I hope that anybody out there that's listening that has not maybe seen it at this point, we definitely compel them to seek it out because I think your life is a little, a uh, little more bereft of fun without it in your, in your life. So I would agree. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, well, let's, uh, let's get into it then. Yeah. Um, brief, brief plot description, similar to last week. Very, very simplistic, uh, in terms of, in terms of the plot. Um, while spying on her son, who's on a date at the zoo, um, there's an overprotective mother. Her name is, uh, Vera Cosgrove. Uh, she gets bitten by a, a Sumatran rat monkey and, <laughs> Uh, despite her son Lionel's uh, concerted effort to keep her under lock and key after she turns into a zombie, uh, she manages to infect the whole neighborhood, which culminates in a, a, a horde of zombies crashing a, a party at the end, which is the, the final act of the movie. Yeah. Um, the movie was made uh, on a $3 million budget. Uh, it grossed a little under half of that worldwide, so it was considered a, a failure for all well, due respect. Go ahead. To, so, so, yeah, I was going to say, can I jump in? This this seems odd to me. Um, now, granted, I, I yeah, I, I, I get it worldwide. It may not have grossed that much, but I feel like <laughs> these numbers seem funny to me that it was that much, but it made so little. I know – that in New Zealand itself, it, it was a hit, but it just seems like, cause the number, the number that I got, the exact number that it grossed was, uh, 242,000 roughly. So, well, so in the U S it grossed that, that is, okay. the, I, I can't, I cannot ascertain, I guess you just, you know, that would be two points, uh, you know, that's just a quarter of a million. And then, then 2.75 would be the rest of it worldwide okay. to, to break even. But they, yeah. they got to only half that. So, yeah, about a quarter of a million in the U.S. And and then you're looking at, you know, very little more than that, like a little over a million um, worldwide outside of that. But, yeah, it's uh, – it's it's a little strange because because I also read that it was competing with Batman Returns in New Zealand specifically yes. and that it, it was earning more per screen than Batman Returns. But right. Um, I, I would imagine that it's just a domestic product that may have done fairly well domestically. But uh, two hundred fifty thousand in the U.S. is dog. Those are dog shit numbers. So Absolutely. that's probably why they didn't. They, that's probably why they didn't get get anywhere near breaking even. Um, so, but I, I will say it gained popularity at the same way all these cult movies gain popularity. They're appreciated after the fact on VHS and then later on DVD and Blu-ray and all that. And I would say this is a pillar of the, of diehard horror fans. I mean, this is like one of the, the pillars of, of, of fandom when it comes to horror. Um, yes. And they made it they made it out to be a much more popular movie way after the fact. Uh, and that's how cult movies kind of go. Um, and New Zealand's tiny. So, like, the, you know, 
them earning more per screen than Batman Returns may not mean very much. Right. Um, in terms of critical reception, I found two real choice quotes um, on polar opposite ends of the spectrum, uh, both from the at the time that they were uh, the movie was released. Uh, Peter Rainier of the L.A. Times enjoyed the film and said, quote, it is the most hilariously disgusting movie ever made. It makes something like Reanimator seem like a UNESCO documentary about Mother Teresa. <laughs> yeah, which is. Just a, a brilliant quote. Uh, Stephen Holden of the New York Times. This is this quote enraged me. <laughs> I couldn't even fucking believe it. He said, quote, because all all this looks blatantly unreal and because the timing of the shock effects is so haphazard. Dead Alive isn't especially scary or repulsive, nor is it very funny. Long before it's over. The half-hour-plus bloodbath that is the climax of the film has become an interminable bore. Yeah, and I was going to say there was another uh, notable negative review that was kind of in a similar vein that I don't know if you saw this one. But it was from some guy from The Independent where he said, it never decides whether to make you tremble with laughter or fear and has outstayed its welcome long before the last limb has been severed and entrails spilled. Which both of these guys, all right, nerds, fuck off. This well, is clearly too. Stephen Holden too specifically says, quote, nor is it very funny, and quote, it's not repulsive, and quote, <laughs> an interminable bore. Like, those aren't even like, <laughs> that's not even like a description of the, it doesn't even sound like he's, he watched the same movie. I'm not saying everyone has to be entertained by it, but to be like, it wasn't even, this is the kind of guy that goes to see, like whenever people ask me, like, I want to like, give me some horror movie recommendations and I give it to them. And they're like, that wasn't scary. And it was like, did you want something fucking good? Or like, like I, it's such, such an elementary opinion to be like, give me a horror movie recommendation and make sure it's scary. Like I want to be right. scared. It's so fucking stupid. Like this guy walked into the theater expecting to be scared or repulsed or whatever. Like his, his, his notions of what a horror movie are, are, seems it's skewed and every it's world renowned and pretty much acclaimed as being one of the most repulsive movies of all time and hilarious. Like most people think and most people understand the comedy of it. Yeah, exactly. So but yeah, then fuck that other guy too. He, I mean <laughs> that it's the similar reviews. I mean, but we like, we should have a name, of an award after this fuck face. <laughs> like it got me so mad reading that, like the, the Stephen Holden award for the dude most likely to fuck his wife with tube socks on or something like, <laughs> like fuck this guy. Um, yeah. but yeah, so I, uh, I was going to say, go ahead. Stephen be holding my balls in his <laughs> mouth. Oh my God. Yes. Right. Stephen Holden. <laughs> Steve, the Stephen Holden Award for the next motherfucker to be the next Mike Pence or something like it, it's just awful. This, this yeah. horse shit. I will say though that by and large, most people acknowledge it for being like absolutely so hilarious and over the top that it almost like supersedes the amount of gore. Like it's it's almost not offensive because of how ridiculous it is. And I think most people 
uh, most reviews that I saw kind of acknowledge like it is so over the top and hilarious and weird and fucking just like unlike anything I've ever seen that it's it's almost not offensive. Like you could almost show it to, to a fucking like kid. <laughs> like yes. it's so it's so inoffensive. Um Okay, so those uh, that asshole aside, um, any <laughs> any closing thoughts before we want to go into the good, the bad, and the questionable? No, I have none. Let's let's dive right in. Let's do it. Um, I think right off the top, no matter how many times I watch this, I continue to be completely blown away by the finale, the final act. It's basically 30 minutes of a nonstop onslaught of gory goodness that's just so unforgiving, but like in the most fun way possible. And for my money, I would say it's the most entertaining half hour in all of cinema. And I mean that earnestly. It, it, I, I forget how long it is. Like whenever I, it, whenever it starts, I'm like, fuck yeah, I love this part. And then I'm like, you're 20, 25 minutes in and you're like, this is still going. And I'm still, still going, like, highly entertained. And it, it, it just gets crazier and crazier and crazier. And just when you thought like it was peak fucking insanity, it, it gets, it dials it up even further and I, I love it it's the perfect half hour i love it yeah yeah and uh, when i was watching it this time we've done this before where we i we specifically did it with the running man episode where i i love to use the analogy of a movie being if it could be programmed as a video game, whether, you know, and some movies obviously have, but this is another example of, I could totally see this as being some sort of side scroller NES video game where you reach different levels and you're fighting different bosses. And <laughs> so, absolutely, yeah. So there's different species of zombies or different uh, individual zombies that uh, come alive during that scene. Well, come come alive during the whole movie, but specifically in that finale scene where you have these different zombies and they get more and more grotesque and weird and powerful. And Lionel has to, you know, Lionel and, and Paquita both have to fight through each one of these till they reach the final boss. So you can... You can designate each one of these specific zombies with, you know, some sort of name or some yeah, sort of signifier. You've got, you've got the actual, you got the traditional zombies. Um, and then you've got like basically what amounts to a pile of entrails. That's just like, <laughs> yeah, I actually wrote on there the entrance or the viscera zombie. <laughs> it's just it's just choking motherfuckers with its with its like big intestine. Like I, it's so strange. 
uh, and then you obviously have Vera, who has metamorphed metamorphed into it's the, her final form is is so in, insane that it, it's almost like incomprehensible until you see it. <laughs> yeah, and so I feel like that whole part of the movie is such clear it's, it showcases such clear homage to movies like The Thing and Reanimator where there's just these crazy you know beasts that are assembled of different things that don't match together and that's some of my favorite kind of monsters is ones that just have random appendages and things that don't make sense atomically uh anatomically you know yeah. and uh the with the I called it the, the mums the the mega mum zombie the Vera zombie yeah um, it actually specifically reminded me of when I was a kid there was a TV series and a line of toys that I absolutely loved called the Inhumanoids oh yeah and yeah you remember yeah. that uh-huh. it was really brief lived but it was actually a pretty dark uh, cartoon and there was three main Inhumanoids. One was like kind of this, it was a a tentacly Cthulhu type of creature. looked like part plant, part bug, part bird. There was another one that was just like the hairy beast one, the the grizzlor one. And then there was the the other one, which was just this skeleton beast that had uh, uh, essentially a a horse's skull head. And its rib cage would open up and it would encase its oh, victims yeah. in its rib cage. So when that part happens where where Lionel gets sucked into her her, her abdomen or gut, it reminded me of that specific in humanoid. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a good callback because that's almost exactly what it looks like. <laughs> and like almost uh, well when i saw that too i almost wonder you know when i see things like that in movies i wonder if there is some reference being made by peter jackson or whoever that you know they might have seen that because you know he would have been you know old enough that you know if he would have seen in humanoids he would have been an adult but still you know if you're someone like peter jackson or you're creating this kind of cinema you 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 probably like cartoons. You like comics and you like cartoons and things like that. So, you well, know, you also referenced, um, you referenced the thing and I hadn't thought about this, but it, it is reminiscent also of where they, uh, have the EKG out and he goes to, he goes down to paddle and the chest cavity opens up and just yeah. takes his fucking arms off. Um, Absolutely. It's similar to that too. So mm-hmm. that's possible. Very possible. Um, I also said there is like a three stooges slapstick quality to this. That's also like in evil dead. Um, and evil dead leans hard into the three stooges shit. Like almost like blatantly it's three stooges. This, this is more like a, a, a amalgamation of three stooges and like Charlie Chaplin, like just like early slapstick comedy shit. That is just like endlessly endearing. Like, just limbs are coming off and then repurposed in different ways. Like he grabs the fucking arm off the ground to like start the lawnmower and shit. And like he gets, uh, at some point an arm gets a Paquita cut, cuts that arm off and it, the, the, it's severed and it's like picking his nose or whatever. Like there's like, lots of just like really fun fucking weirdo. It's like the most fucked up version of a three stooges 
sketch. <laughs> Which brings me also to what I think is another great uh, scene. The other, if, if you're going to pick one or two of main um, scenes or scenarios that are occurring in the movie, the scene where he takes baby Selwyn to the park, that yeah. whole that whole thing is prime slapstick hilarity. There's so much going on during that whole scene that it's just like so funny to me. And Lionel's um, having to like like the the actor who plays Lionel has to like <laughs> is doing a lot of like physical comedy, like beating the fucking baby up and shit, <laughs> but like like in a way that's like <laughs> it's so like fake, but it it, it leans yeah. into how fake it looks that it's right. that it doesn't it doesn't fucking care. I'm so that's so weird that you wrote that down because my next talking point and it's like maybe two seconds of the movie but it's the hardest i think i've ever laughed it it's the hardest i laughed during this movie is when the wine <laughs> just thinking about it the wino's reaction to lionel beating up the baby it just like cuts to a wino like, <laughs> yeah, and he's, and he's, he's just like, like oh yeah like, he's, like, <laughs> he's like beat that fucking baby up he doesn't say anything but it just cuts to his reaction and he like he's like puts a bottle in the air and it's like fucking stoked like he came to the park to collect bottles out of the trash can and there's a dude beating up a baby and he's like oh yeah like he's he's there for it yeah <laughs> that, that part gets me every time but yeah it, it go ahead so say come for the trash collecting stay for the baby <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. And to think, I, I don't want to step on my own dick, but um, you know, this is this is part of uh, the part of the wiki wormhole. But I'll just bring it up now since we're talking about it. And to think that 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 scene wasn't initially in there. The the movie came in about forty five thousand dollars under budget, and mm-hmm. Peter Jackson used that money to spend two days shooting in the park. That scene. Yeah. Um, so, and it goes, it, he has said in retrospect that that's his favorite scene in the movie to think that it wasn't necessarily in there originally. It, it seems insane because it, it's, I know. it's such a reprieve from everything that's going on. It's not gory. It's, it's pure, purely hilarious. <laughs> well, and I would, uh, yes. And I would also say that having that in the middle of the movie, essentially, it lends this gradation, this, this very uh, amazing, well-crafted gradation of the craziness to the to the movie you know it it starts off where okay well i mean it you know that's the thing it's kind of nuts from the beginning where it has the the scenes on skull island but you know other than that kind of uh intro thing it just gradually ramps up more and more from the zoo and the, the, the monkey biting the mother and then the mother becoming a zombie. And, and then there's the, the dinner table scene, which is another really great one where there's all kinds of crazy, funny things happening with the, the dinner scene. And then it just, you know, ramps up even more to her going full blown zombie into the funeral you know, so it's just, <laughs> it's very, it's very, you know, seamlessly makes its way to that finale. And, 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 and that, and that park scene is the, the nice juicy center. It is. It, it gives you a, it's a, yeah, it's a nice reprieve from everything that's going on because it's kind of unlike most of the other scenes. It's, it's right. In, like you said, the juicy center of it. Um, but the movie's also kind of like a, like as you were describing 
some uh, what I like to call a, a progressively uh, horrific, a progressive horror movie. Not like mm. progressive in terms of like ahead of its time, but like the fly. not in terms of not in terms of Rush playing. Yeah, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah it's I'm the pro- <laughs> it's the prog rock of, uh, <laughs> of horror. No. Yes, is in the background. <laughs> <laughs> But no, it's like it's like the fly. When you watch the fly, yes. and things get progressively worse and worse right. and worse, and you just you cannot believe like he's pulling his fucking fingernails st- and stuff off, and you're like, this cannot possibly get any worse. And he vomits in his fucking hand and offers it to Gina Davis, and you're like, this can't be, cannot get fucking worse. And then he manages to keep progressing, it, it you know, degrading. And this this is a, a similar concept where it's like everything's nuts and you don't think it could get any nuttier and he manages to double down and make things fucking crazier as you as you go along yeah which i love what other good do you have um i mean there's very specific goods um again going back to just yeah that refreshing crack uh the the different iterations of zombie. I really, I love the, the light bulb zombie, the lady that gets her head smacked onto the light bulb and it lights up her whole skull and face. This is a, this is a good thing to bring up. Do you have a favorite zombie? Do you have a favorite incarnation? Um, Cause I do. I certainly do. Okay. Well let's kind of, let's try and break it down as this. We have, we have cell wind. So we have baby zombie. We have pre zombie. We have mom zombie. You have nurse zombie. We have hooligan zombie. We yeah, have hooligans, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we can even break it down further. So, there's the the initial uh, tribe of zombies, which is the priest, the nurse, the mom, uh, the hooligan, and the and the baby, and then they, and then then thenceforth comes all the zombie, uh, the party zombies. There's the party yeah, zombies. There's a, a litany of party zombies to choose from. Right. Which one of them is the light bulb lady zombie. Uh, there's the viscera zombie. And then what happens is Lionel makes a mistake uh, in, in between uh, the the party and the finale, the, the, the start of the party and the finale, where he's trying to put down, he's trying to euthanize all of the zombies and he inadvertently injects what is it? A- animal hormones or something? Yeah, that was in my questionable. I didn't understand. Right. It, 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 uh, it, yeah, it was an accelerant of some sort. Yeah, it was an accelerant. So he thinks he's poisoning them to, to euthanize them. It's and an it just animal makes them, stimulant. Animal stimulant. Okay. Uh, but then it just it backfires and turns them into super zombies, which then creates these other inter- iterations, one of them being the inhumanoid uh, mega mom zombie. And then there's, uh, they are, there's also the uncle less zombie. Is there an uncle less zombie? Yeah. Cause, yeah. cause Vera takes his head off and then Paquita, uh, yes. basically okay. de- yes. detaches his spine sorry. and uses it as like yes. a fucking mace. Sorry. Sorry. Yes. I, I was, I was getting confused. I, I, I knew that he died. I was getting him confused. That was the one that I wanted to come up with. That was the one that reminded me specifically of the thing because, there's the creature in the thing where it's uh, I can't remember which crew member it is, but where he uh, or it might be from the dog or something where one of the crew members head is like attached to this long tendrily neck. Essentially, it's, the, it's when the dogs kind of uh, uh, 
yeah, when they kind of assume a, a different form and, and one of them is the head is in there. Yeah. yeah so, so that reminded me of that. The uncle zombie. Um, there is the um, the hooligan vo- void is his name. The hooligan zombie that's like on this weird kind of like shorter torso that eventually gets attached to the lawnmower. <laughs> yeah, well, he finds his legs and is like hopping around. But also like are, those are his entrails, I believe. Yes. So he's in three different incarnations. He's. Hooligan zombie. It's also his entrails. He has the, mm. he has entrail, which is completely detached from his body. And then he's also once he finds his lower legs, he kind of he kind of crotchety crotchetedly comes down the stairs and then leaps onto the lawnmower. He he goes through yes. a, a crazy transformation. Right. So I don't know. I don't know. If I, I like I like all of those. All uh, I like all the the. The, the super zombies, I said. The, the nurse is my favorite. The only other good that I have, I, I mean, I could talk endlessly about all the details of different scenes because almost every scene is my favorite. The the best scene, worst scene is going to be absolutely fucking difficult. Like the most difficult. <laughs> yeah, it is. But um, I genuinely like, and you forget, you, this gets lost in the story until the end. Uh, but Paquita is like, Paquita's a good woman and Lionel's yeah. a genuinely good dude. And it always makes me really happy to see them together at the end. They go through so much and I just, I think those kids are going to make it. I really do. Yeah. I also yeah. like that Paquita would rather fight an undead horde of zombies than stand around another minute longer and get mansplained rugby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, I was going to say that as well, that that's a nice, that is also a nice uh, aspect of this movie to, it gives it, you know, that kind of well-rounded breadth that it has. It actually has a very sweet, you know, romantic aspect to it. And so, Lionel's yeah. fucking it up, and you're like, you're so mad. Like, you're like, Lionel, stop fucking this up. Like, Paquita, yeah. Paquita's also, like, on this tarot card trip. So, like, uh, you know, it, there's that aspect to it. But at the end of the day, Lionel's fucking this thing up, and and Paquita's just, she's, she's a a fucking a good foundation to build a life with. Well, and I would attribute that to one thing that will be in my questionable, which I'll mention later, but also he clearly, he has trauma from having an overbearing mother. And also it's revealed that there is, you know, this, uh, there's this other underlying story to the movie, which is that his mother actually killed uh, his father and his mistress. That's true. And, that, so part of that is part of my questionable too. But as far as his issues with Paquita goes, I feel like it it is mostly attributable to he is a sheltered, awkward man that doesn't know how to interact with women. Like he and easily he had, could have become Norman Bates. Like, yes, ex- that's. I think I had that thought actually that he is a very Norman Batesy type of a proto Norman Bates type character where he has he has mother issues. So it, it, you know, it makes him unable to re- interact with women in any sort of healthy manner. So, but, you know, it works out. So there you go. It does. It does. A- anyways. Any more good? Um, I think I'll go over some of the more of the good stuff when we talk about quotes and everything. So we'll yeah, just move on. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. So uh, a short-lived bad 
category because I I got some stuff, but um, uh, that's good because I couldn't really come up with much. I had one thing specifically, and it's it's picking nits. But well, uh, go you pick your nit, and then I'll go over what I came up with. The only thing that I had issue with was there's definitely an inconsistency between the puppet animatronic baby Selwyn <laughs> and, and the actual actor. The little, the in, little person. <laughs> yeah, the little person in the in the Selwyn suit. Or a child, a, I suppose. Or a child, one or the other. But there's definitely a dramatic there's a dramatic difference in size between the two. So, so it actually reminded me of uh, how great the original Child's Play is because the original Child's Play is the only one in the in the series that actually uses a little boy dressed up as Chucky, but um, they actually they use a, a weird sort of frame in order to they you they hide it is what I'm trying to say right um, and on the set they had enlarged versions of of the set to make it look reasonable in terms of yeah. like he would be as, as tall as a doll. But obviously I, I think Peter Jackson was just leaning hard into that, the ridiculousness of that yes. fucking baby. But yeah, absolutely. Yes. There, it literally goes from that little animatronic or that, that little like fucking puppet baby. And then <laughs> all of a sudden it's fucking running, but it's clearly, it's clearly just like a, a little, a little kid in a suit. Yeah. But, but for me though, it's not even really a bad because it just adds more to the absurdity. Of it the does, movie it does. Does. That's, yeah. 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 I agree. <laughs> it's one of those things where, you know, if you're watching, a B movie, a movie that in, in many ways has a lot of technical flaws, but there's charm to that. That's what this is to me. You know, it's just, it just adds to the, the craziness of the movie and the unhinged aspect. So that's what I found so hard to do the bad and questionable for this movie. Cause how do you, how do you fucking legitimately talk about this movie in a bad or questionable manner? Like yeah. it, it beat you to the punch. It's like, we're going to be as, <laughs> as bad or as questionable as we fucking want to be. And so it, you can't really have, um, it, you can't take umbrage with anything in the movie because, because of that. But yeah, yeah, yeah you hard. can only, t- you can only talk about it in bad terms. Uh, uh, if you're a, you're a dickhead, like what's his name? Holding my balls. That doesn't fucking <laughs> Stephen Holden. Yeah. So hope you're listening, Stephen holding my fucking balls. New York Times. Fuck my life. Yeah, well, um, fuck the New York Times too. So fuck well, all of true. it. That's Anyways, true. go go on, my friend. Please regale me with your bads. The the Joseph Mangala vet scene is so fucking weird, and I mean like weird even for this movie. <laughs> Yeah. Like I don't I don't know how, I don't know what to think of it and I don't know how to place it. Like it's a, it's a I feel like it's the only joke in the movie that doesn't land, at least for me. Mhm. I mean he's like an escaped Latvian or he's pretending to be a, a Nazi or he is a Nazi who's pretending to be like a, a Latvian who escaped World War 2. Yeah. Like it, I it's it struck me as a, in, incredibly strange. Even and again even for this movie and right. he doesn't, he doesn't ever show up again. There's not like a, there's not like a zombie version of this Joseph Mangala vet. It's just so weird. Which would have been cool. Yeah. The, yeah. The, it not, been. I mean, come on, dude, like a Nazi zombie. Yes, please. 
which makes it even worse <laughs> that they didn't utilize him like that. <laughs> oh, well, maybe that might, it might have been, they might have had it and it ended up on the cutting room floor. Who knows? Oh, that's possible. Yeah. Um, Lionel's got a bad plan. At some point, you've got to abandon this tranquilization. Yes. <laughs> like, like he yes. Does, I he does tranquilization for too long. Yeah, I actually have what you're mentioning in my questionable. So oh, okay, you, I, you, you might uh, you might bring bring up what I was thinking. So go on. So yeah, that's a that's a terrible plan, and it leads to things getting worse and worse. Which is for our and uh, you know that's for our enjoyment, which is great. So yeah, Lionel's plan uh, pays off for us um, right. as viewers. Vera Cosgrove, maybe all time bad mom of like. Up there the with uh, Norman Bates's mom. She's the worst. She's yeah. She's a total mommy dearest. Whatever happened to baby Jane? And, and like he, the fucking George the Animal Steel. I don't even know how it's physically possible to to drown a, both a grown man <laughs> and a grown woman in the same bathtub unless you're legit George the Animal Steel. I don't know how the fuck you do that. Hundred percent. I actually I didn't put it down, but that was something that, that did cross my mind that I would. When I was watching that, I, I'm thinking there's no way that this woman can hold down two adult individuals one handed each. And Lionel's a, father looked like a look like a fucking rugby player. Like yeah. <laughs> that's right. That, well that 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 goes towards the how much fear fear crossgrove puts into a fucking man because <laughs> she is she is a beast yeah. of a woman. <laughs> That's right. all my bad. Um, so we can yeah. move on to questionable. What yeah. questions did you have? I actually came up with several, which is, and I had to delete like half of them because I was like, am I really going to fucking bring up some absurd point about an absurd movie? So <laughs> right. It's, it's tough. Yeah. So going back to what I was saying with um, what you pointed out with Lionel, uh, utilizing the the tranquilizer method to to deal with the zombies. First off, why does he bring all of the zombies home? That's one. Okay, I get it if you want to bring home your mom. Okay, so you have uh, you have a sentimental attachment to your mom. So if you want to, well, he doesn't whatever, want them getting out. Right? Okay, but yes, but that brings me to the next thing. Use a shotgun, blow all their heads off. And there you go. And then if you want to save your mom, then fine. Bring your mom back and, you know, do whatever you can to, to hold on to, you know, keeping her alive. But there's other ways to dispatch these zombies where you just admit this guy is clearly a very, very uh, inexperienced green wet behind the ears and everything. But specifically in knowing how to dispatch zombies, just life skills them. in general. Life skills in general, which brings me to another thing that in one of the critical reviews I read about this, they pointed out that Lionel is supposed to be a teenager. I never, ever got that impression that he is in any way, shape or form a teenager. He's not for a, one second, not for one second. He's a he is a young man, young to maybe late early to mid 20s man. Nor, that was nor is it hinted husband. upon like I don't I like <laughs> I don't know where that guy got that information right. nowhere in the movie is it even it's no. not like he's like i'm off to school <laughs> <laughs> right he he's he's an adult man and he lives with his mother and he has mother issues and he uh you know he's clearly a simp for his awful mother and 
Yeah, so he just doesn't know how to deal with anything specifically. Again, just shoot the zombies in the fucking face. And then you don't have to worry about tranquilizing them endlessly. You just they're dead. But but then, you know, if if that was the case, then we wouldn't have the, the movie. We wouldn't have the right, hijinks. Right. So so we yeah. have to extrapolate this again, absurd idea that he just doesn't he doesn't know that's the thing. That also extends to the grand finale, there's no utilization of any handguns or guns or any sort of explosive devices to get rid of the zombies. It's all, it's all knives and, and, and it's a butcher knife and a, and a lawnmower and just things around the house, which again, that makes for it being a fun, crazy movie because there isn't this just shoot them up type of aspect that you would probably expect from, you know, a zombie movie. It's because, I would lend it to the to the cultural difference in the fact that in New Zealand there isn't a prevalence of handguns or any sort of, you know, guns. That's true too. I didn't think so, about that. So I get it. You know, in, in a country like that, people aren't gun nuts like they are here. So I'm willing to suspend my disbelief based off of the cultural <laughs> difference <laughs> between New, between a, a peaceful island like New Zealand and this, you know, horrible dystopian, uh, you know, hellscape that we live in where everybody owns a gun. So anyways, um, so that's 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 a big, big questionable. Uh, the other one that I've always wondered with this movie is, isn't it like pretty crazy to you that the the gestation period for birthing a baby with zombies is pretty much in, yeah in, it's instantaneous so yeah. as soon as, as soon as a zombie woman gets inseminated then she basically makes a baby yeah almost immediately <laughs> yeah like but basically immediately post post coitus yeah <laughs> right so there is that um but again you know you have to suspend your disbelief because we're not going to you know, fast forward nine months to, you know, when Lionel has kept these move, uh, has kept the zombies trapped in his home and then whoop, whoops, there's a zombie baby. So there's that. <laughs> We're on the same wavelength because so far these are similar questions to, uh, two, uh, that I posed two, two for two. And then I don't know. Do you want me to just finish my questions? I have Go one ahead. more. Yes, please. So there is also the whole subplot um, that is kind of ongoing that you touched upon with Paquita's obsession with tarot. There's this kind of mystical occult aspect of the movie where Lionel is somehow destined to be the, the ward of these zombies or whatever. So, you know, the, the old lady tarot card reader, you know, talks about the, the sigil of the star and the moon and then they find the pendant and that's supposed to be somehow like his way of you know warding off the zombies i feel like that's that's kind of this whole aspect of the movie that just kind of got thrown in there that you don't really find any you know reason for they don't tie it up very well it's just kind of like ah well you know we're trying to throw some sort of weird occult thing in here and we'll loosely tie it into you know uh, Lionel's destiny. So there was that also for me. I wonder if uh, I wonder if Peter Jackson, because I feel like the the tarot is used uh, to um, expedite uh, the relationship that without any 
with without needing like any sort of exposition on it because yeah. all you all you need is her reading the tarot cards in the back and then a, a chance romantic encounter with yeah. a dude uh and then it that's all he needed to to be like these two are going on a date and then he didn't need any expedi- exposition otherwise but yeah right it is thrown in there but but it's they draw from that well repeatedly because he uses the star uh like medallion thing to do to uh to get out of the you know vera's fucking cat body cavity at the end <laughs> yeah. so yeah yeah it, it's yeah i agree though it's uh well questionable from the aspect of fuck tarot <laughs> i don't know i don't know if you're a huge tarot guy or whatever but uh well i actually i was gonna get into that when we get into the the wiki wormhole Yes, I I did see the the specific set of tarot that they're using, and I, I started researching it. It couldn't have been any more bored. But um, yes, I, oh, I know. Oh, oh, oh. Well, I know wait till you wait till you hear what I gotta say. I know what you're referencing. Um, <laughs> I you know I could go through my questionable, but every the answer to every single one of the questions we're posing is because it's more fun, dickhead. That's literally the answer. To every question. Why? Because I wrote down, why didn't Lionel just ask for his mother to be cremated? Um, because it's more fun, dickhead. Does being a zombie speed up the pregnancy? Yeah, because it's more fun, dickhead. <laughs> why does Lionel take the zombie baby for a walk in the park? Which I think is a hilarious question. <laughs> yeah, that's legitimately, one. legitimately, why is he walking that baby? That that, that seems <laughs> because it's more fun, dickhead. Yeah. Um, Uncle Les go now. This is a legitimate question. Uncle Les goes from black blackmailing Lionel to throwing a rager in, in an impossible amount of time. Like he, <laughs> yeah. like he just got off the fucking phone with the police, like fake blackmailing uh, Lionel, and then like he hangs up, and people are coming in with like fucking New Zealand brewskis. It, it's bizarre. Yeah, so he basically he preemptively planned this party and then just showed up. Yeah, you know, <laughs> was just like, "Hey, I hate to tell you this, but you know, I'm going to take over this house." That vibes with Uncle Les, um, right? Who it does. Low, low key, one of my favorite characters of the movie. Actually, probably is my my favorite character because he comes in like halfway through. He basically like from the funeral from Vera's funeral on and then goes through a metamorphosis of the wildest fucking different incarnations of the same shitty person. But he's doing so he's doing so much with very little screen time. I love it. Well, and that brings me to another question I had in regards to uncle Les, since you brought up the funeral, what is that weird vape thing that he puffs on for a little bit? I imagine it's just like, oxygen <laughs> yeah i don't know yeah it's like it, it seems to have some sort of palliative connection you know that yeah, he has it looks, like the, it looks like the tubing that's inside of like darth vader's helmet i have no idea <laughs> right so i was wondering about that but and the other the other question that we already brought up why is the bottle of poison in the basement an animal stimulant like literally on the bottle it says poison and then he turns it around and it says Animal stimulant. Is it possible <laughs> that anything could be a poison to man, but an animal stimulant to animals? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, they had it. They had it in the Cosgrove basement. 
Say it with me again, because it's more fun, dickhead. That's the answer (laughs) to every fucking question that we could possibly pose for this movie. Um, Shall we move on to our awards and categories? I would love it if we did. (laughs) Rich and creamy, just the way I like it. Well, I know you have uh, some thoughts on quotes. Um, oh, yes. They're, this is a, a potently quotable movie. Just um, a never-ending cavalcade of, of quotes. Uh, Absolutely. Do you have a favorite? Because I, I have a favorite, like a very favorite, and then we can go through just the other real choice nuggets. Yeah, I have two. I think one is kind of almost the universal favorite of this movie, which you will probably bring up if I don't. Whenever you mention this movie to anybody, um, they if they know this movie, they say this quote. But anyways, I'll save that one. The one that first off that I wanted to say was related to another good of mine, which is in the the scene where they're sitting around at the dinner table right after um, Vera Cosgrove has become infected with the, the, the rats, Sumatran rat zombie juice or whatever. And she's basically decaying there at the table. And <laughs> she has a bloody pustule kind of squirt into their guests custard. And it's so it's, that is like one of the, that is if there is any genuinely revolting part of this movie, that is it for me is seeing this, bloody mixture bloody custard mixture that the guy slurps into his mouth and then says rich and creamy just the way i like it that guy (laughs) that guy comes in and does a lot with a little because he also (laughs) he also says randomly we need another war which is fucking hilarious that's another great fucking weirdo line that he says um Yeah, Yeah, so that's fucking hilarious. (laughs) So there's that, but then there is, of course, the universally quotable quote of this this movie, which is, of course, "I kick ass for the Lord." It's almost the tagline of the movie without being the tagline of the movie. Yeah. So those I literally literally had somebody message me today because they saw that I was watching Dead Alive last night. And all they said in the message was, "I kick ass for the Lord." That's all. So did did I. (laughs) So did I. So one of my friends, he just dropped it in there. And I was like, yep, that's it. It's the the line that I feel like has been ruined by everyone just being like loving that fucking line to where when it happens, I'm like, that sucked all the fucking fun out of it. Like everyone loves this line. I love this line too, but like, yeah, shit. Can we quote any other fucking line for this movie? Um, Well, I wanted to point out another good that I, I missed related to that quote is in the, in the cemetery scene when void is pissing on Vera's grave and she just bursts out of the cemetery and just like grabs his fucking junk and just like tears his fucking balls and dick off essentially. So that's a, no, well, that's a good, that's another great quote. Hey, you're pissing on my mother. That's my mother's <laughs> grave. You're pissing on. Yeah. 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 That's these are that, terrible so. accents. My God. Um, my favorite, very favorite quote is Uncle Les, and he says, "Oh, you found your dad's old, st- <laughs> you found yeah. your, da- your dad's old stag movies. Is that the one with the donkey and the chambermaid?" <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's, yeah, a, that's good. That's a, a choice little bit. Um, and Paquita comes in hot. 
uh, with your mother ate my dog. <laughs> yes. That's <laughs> also all of it. Or what does Lionel say? Like not all of it. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> that's a good back and forth that the chambermaid one is, is my favorite quote. Uh, do you have any other quotes that you want to peruse no. through? Those are, those are the two main ones that I have. Lots of great ones. Um, like at the end of the baby scene, he says, overstimulated. <laughs> Just, <laughs> yeah. And an insane, I guess that means you got to knock his head against some, some fucking swing bars. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we can move on to our, our fresh new, new categories. Like we stated last week, starting off with best scene, worst scene, um, mm. What uh, what did you come up with uh, for your best scene, your favorite scene? I mean, I do so have many. a very favorite scene, and it's there's, not the finale. Okay, well, I did put the finale, but you know, honestly, because that's a given, I'm gonna say the the baby in the park. That whole thing is. Probably, I'm gonna go with Peter Jackson and say yes. That's like my favorite thing about this movie the only reason the finale is not up for contention is it's too long it's an act not a scene and so it's a little like you could be like i love the lawnmower scene or i love the in the kitchen where she gets the fucking the light bulb zombie comes and she tries to put the (laughs) paquita tries to put the baby in the in the in the blender but oh yeah yeah that one's so good so there's lots of good nuggets in the final act as scenes but if we're talking favorite scene and it's one of my favorite scenes in all of horror. It's the custard scene. That's my favorite fucking yeah. scene. Absolutely. So I think of it all the fucking time. When she, <laughs> when she flips her fucking, like, she flips her wrist like she's about to do, like, a Spider-Man spray. And she just digs her fucking fingernails. And it's just, like, pus and viscera f- flies into that dude's custard. And the <laughs> only other fucking person that even knows what's going on is the wife. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Not to mention... My what am I? The other best part of that scene is when her fucking ear falls off into her own custard, and then she puts it in her mouth, and it's one of the greatest. Like whoever was doing the the sound uh, that day, like on set or whatever, like the chewing, you could hear the teeth on the pearl of the earring. Like it's such a good fucking <laughs> great sound effect shit on that. Uh, and then she just it swallows ear and custard and just spits out the earring. Like I, I. I knew that was my favorite. And then rewatching the movie, that scene came up again. And I was like, this is the fucking, this is the height of everything I want in a fucking movie. Like it's, yeah, it's everything. I love that scene. What's your work. What's the worst scene in the movie? I mean, I don't really have one other than I kind of touched upon, you know, the, it's not really a scene, but it's, it's the whole, the juxtaposition of the, 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 the toy, the the toy baby zombie. And the, the, you know, the, the actual person in the suit zombie scene. So whatever. I mean, again, it's, there's no standout one where you're just like, uh, really, you know? Yeah. In a movie like this, um, it's hard. Yeah. I yeah. put the Joseph Mengele of that scene because okay. it just doesn't fucking jive with the rest of the movie. It's, I, you know, I'm not going to get yeah. into it again. It's just so fucking weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. and not funny. It, it just didn't make me laugh. Um, yeah. The Dahmer, I hardly know her award for the most killer performance. Um, who did you peg for that? I had two people, but I, I think between the two, I'm going to go with, I think that uh, Stuart Devaney as, uh, as the priest. Yeah. I, I love, you know, he's not on there very long, but just especially the whole, the cemetery 
thing, the cemetery scenes, that's it's hilarious to me. He's yeah. doing he's doing a lot um, with yeah. a little like like we talked about. Um, I went with uh, with uh, Ian Watkin who played Uncle Les. I think right. Uncle Les, uh, <laughs> yeah, is is just the best. He comes in real hot and uh, does not relent um, until the very end when his his final form is finally fucking. And it's it's great that Peter Jackson had Paquita end it like it, it, it it's only appropriate that paquita were to fucking end his miserable life it's so good yeah i agree on that one too that would have been you know probably my second choice i didn't have it written down as my second choice but upon chewing it over a, more in my mind I, I agree so the michael rooker award uh which goes to the most evil fucker in the movie lots of evil fuckers to choose from who did you choose uh, Elizabeth Moody as as mum. Yeah, yeah, we got same. Pew, pew, pew. Vera Cosgrove. <laughs> Vera Cosgrove is the most evil fucker in the movie, and I, and I actually don't think it's particularly close. Um, yeah, and and we're putting her up against somebody who's pissing on uh, a um this dude's mom's grave in front of him. So <laughs> yeah, and well, a Nazi. She- <laughs> And a Nazi, but yeah, just just the 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 various you know stages of her you know existence that's portrayed throughout the movie. She is the worst person. Just as as an as a human, she's an awful mother, and then you find out later she's was a murderer. And as a zombie, she is the queen fucking bitch of all of them. That's so. what makes her the most evil because she's yeah. the most evil in her in her human form. She's more evil in human form than she is like parading around the fucking house, like a, a fleshy King Kong. Like it's, it's <laughs> yeah, we're, we're right. two for two on that one. Yeah. So I thought we would do this cause, uh, it's not like I'm super well versed on my Kiwi actors from the fucking <laughs> 1980s. So for the recasting couch, I came up with an American remake that I would like to pitch unless you have something else for this. No. So that was the thing because I'm not well versed also in any, any, you know, well-known New Zealand actors or actresses. I just chose different American or English actors to swap out. So, yeah. Did you, did you do American uh, or English actors at the time or is it, uh, is it an updated version of it? So, um, it's, it's, it's an updated version. Well, okay. So I would say for one particular role, I did have what would be at the time, maybe actors. Uh, but for the other one, it would be more of an updated version. Gotcha. Uh, so so I, well, I had two, I had two different, uh, uh, two different characters in particular where I had different, uh, swaps. Well, let's run down the list and and you interject as needed. Um, okay. In a, in this American remake that I'm pitching, I had Lee Wanell as the director. Um, okay. And before right. somebody calls me out, which nobody will, uh, I I understand that Lee Wanell is Australian and not from New Zealand. So it's not <laughs> like I didn't pick him because that. I just thought Lee Wanell would do really well. Um, yeah. I had. Uh, for Lionel, I have Bill Hader. <laughs> I think Bill Hader would play a great Lionel. Do you have a Lionel recast? 
that's great. I love, I actually really love that. Yes. I have two different ones. Um, and they actually, each one of these individuals have a relationship to this movie. Um, one is Simon Pegg as Lionel. Mm. So a, young, choice. Yeah. a younger Simon Pegg. And I'll get into his connection to the movie when we get into the wiki wormhole, if you don't. The other one is, and this was just kind of like, well, I made an association because of Peter Jackson, but it made sense in my brain also, was Elijah Wood. Yeah, Elijah Wood would be a great Lionel. Yeah, mm-hmm. so those were my two that I had for that. Um, go on for other characters, and then I'll, I'll interject. So for Vera Cosgrove, I came up with D. Wallace. Yeah, that I could see that. That'd be good. Do you have anyone for Vera? I didn't have anybody for Vera. I, I, only had, I only had two two different characters. One of them, and, and it wasn't Vera or Paquita or, or or less. Okay, so the rest. So I have uh, for Paquita, I have Zoe Saldana, and okay. for Uncle Les, I have John Goodman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Actually, that's that's perfect. So that's my recast. Who did you have other than that? So for Father McGruber, I had two different people. I had either Steve Martin or Bruce Campbell. Excellent. Yeah, that's great. I actually came up with some ideas and then deleted it because I didn't like any of my recasting for that that role. Those are both fucking phenomenal. <laughs> and I think it's because with with uh, Bruce Campbell, so to me, facially the actor looks like him. And yeah, the Bruce Campbell could do that. The, the chin is is where it's at. Yeah, and then Steve Martin, I think it was because he had white hair, but I also could see him being the wacky priest. True. So, yeah. you know, so there you go. Those were my, my recasts. Cool. Yeah, I think we did a good job of yeah. uh, reconceptualizing. Yeah. Um, so we can just get into the wiki wormhole then, um, mm-hmm. which is our trivia portion of uh of the episode. Yeah. I am. Um, I'm going to start off with a couple bummers. Uh, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Since this is the last time I'll be able to mention Waterworld on this podcast. Um, Why? Why is it? Oh, because what, of the body, the body count. Yeah, Waterworld <laughs> held the record for our body yeah. count section at 67. <laughs> okay. Waterworld yeah. is at 67. Uh, Dead Alive is at 87. Nice. You know, I'm glad I'm glad we finally get to dethrone Waterworld because hopefully I never have to fucking hear about this movie again. I'll find a way to sneak it in. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that's the first bummer. So our new Midnight Flicks body count record holder is Dead Alive at 87. Um, yeah. So we'll see if that ever gets smashed. I, I doubt it. That's a, an incredibly high number. Um, yeah. The second bummer, uh, and I alluded to this at the end of the last podcast, but Dead Alive did hold the record for goriest film ever made if we're using buckets of blood as the metric it used uh, a thousand gallons of fake blood in total that yeah. record has since been broken numerous times uh to the point where i had to stop researching because uh just modern horror there's certain modern horror movies that have just smashed that record one of which i fucking love a lot and i don't know if you've ever seen it but the piranha remake and and its subsequent sequel piranha 3d Piranha 3D in 2010 used 7,500 gallons of fake blood. Jeez. Um, 
and it was it was the record holder. It had smashed the fucking record because they literally piped in. They use a machine to pipe in fake blood into the lake to to get the water all bloody. So they did not do any CGI. They literally pumped in fake blood to bloody it, the fucking water in Piranha 3D. There's lots of really cool practical effects in Piranha 3D, actually. Um, and it, it's, it's a fucking wonderful movie, uh, especially for a remake. But evil, the Evil Dead remake in 2013 completely motherfucking smashed the record, and I'm not sure that anything will ever beat it. Uh, the Evil Dead remake used 50,000 gallons of fake blood in a single scene. <laughs> God! That's uh, insane. <laughs> and I don't know if you've seen the Evil Dead remake, but um, I have, and it, it sucks my ass. But um, I assume that it is the scene where it is literally raining blood for 10 minutes straight. <laughs> so yeah, I, I haven't seen it, so... Wow, oh, I mean, there's a there's crazy. a scene where it just starts raining blood, and it it is like endless. And so I I imagine actually I'm just gonna go ahead and say the fifty thousand gallons were used in that fucking scene where it's just raining blood like perpetually. Sorry, I'm very yes, stuck in a Slayer reference. Slayer, there you go. Um. Okay, so that's a bummer, uh, but that is. that's fine. Yeah. Just to put that in perspective and to piggyback off of this fake blood shit, um, of the thousand gallons used in Dead Alive, 80 gallons were used in the lawnmower scene alone. Mm-hmm. Um, the original Evil Dead used 300 gallons of blood total in the whole movie, and the elevator scene in The Shining used 200 to 300 gallons. Um, but I would imagine that Kubrick shot that like a hundred fucking times. So like, I don't actually know how much blood was used, but it, it, so it doesn't have the record. I wanted to ask then in your research, did you also see there's the scene in Nightmare on Elm Street when Johnny Depp gets sucked into his bed and the blood starts gushing out? Did, it, did, did you see that's any mention on, of that? That's on the list as well. Okay. Um, unfortunately, to, these modern horror movies um, – have a have like a Eli Roth sensibility to them where they're just like yeah. the fucking the more the more the merrier in terms of like let's just use as much as possible because that makes a good movie. So yeah. like those kinds of movies, The Shining, Nightmare on Elm Street, Evil Dead, yeah, that that scene in Nightmare on Elm Street was I saw that on my research, but just when you're using fifty thousand in one scene, it, these other these other scenes don't matter. I did not <laughs> see specifically how much Wes Craven had to use in that in that yeah. particular shot reverse shot kind of scene, but um, yeah, it just doesn't okay. stack up to these modern horror movies. Oh, you modern! Oh, you modern horror movies! I know, movie. I, I know specifically that you would be particularly <laughs> bummed by it. Uh, <laughs> like, Old okay. man yells at cloud. <laughs> I knew. I was as I was typing this up. I was like, Adam's gonna be so bummed because I was bummed <laughs> I, when I saw the Piranha 3D thing. That legitimately, I was stoked on that because I I love that movie. Um, but yeah, the Evil Dead remake. <laughs> you do your head. Toilet sound thing. Um, yeah, I was gonna say we're definitely interjecting a toilet sound in this. Go one, watch so. the Evil Dead remake so we can talk about it. I, I, I actually, you. I own it, so I might oh, watch it again. Okay. Uh, yeah, 
I whatever. So the rental of this movie in Sweden was accompanied with vomit bags. So that's yes, fun. That's um, pretty fun. That is fun. I, anytime uh, I, you know I'm going into a movie with a vomit bag, I I am uh, I'm fucking hyped because I mm-hmm. I know I'm not going to vomit, but I know I'm going to be fucking thrilled. So do you want to get into this then? Because I have tarot cards here. I know that the tarot cards in the movie are Alistair Crowley's Thoth deck. Yeah. Um, outside of two cards, which were specifically made for this film, the star and the Prince of Cups were prepared uh, uh, specifically for this film. And then I started researching Alistair Crowley's Thoth deck and how it stacks up against traditional tarot cards and i literally was bored to fucking tears and i didn't even put anything in my research but i know you had some thoughts well my friend i am actually a bit of a layman expert on the it's pronounced the tote deck tote 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 so that that name that you're pronouncing thoth is is the is the god tote it's an egyptian it's actually an, an Egyptian manifestation of what was uh, what was a uh, an Egyptian magician called uh, Trimestagustus. Oh my! Fuck this already! Fuck <laughs> <laughs> the um, fuck. Okay. So and the and the deck was painted by Lady Frida Harris. It was developed and designed by Aleister Crowley. I actually have. Four cards from this deck tattooed on my body. The Aleister Crowley deck? Yes, I do. What uh, Of what significance? If you can... Some, well, uh, some, so... You know, so the, card, yeah, the cards I have are the Emperor, the Hermit, uh, Art, Temperance, Art slash Temperance, and the Aerophant. And... Mm. Yeah, so... And I actually... Um, because I, I haven't been able to afford it, I've I've been meaning for years to get it completed. Because on one arm I have a ring of three cards, and on my right arm I just have one. And I've I've been meaning for years to complete the uh, the other the ring, the two cards. And on numerous levels, they they complement one another in terms of numerologically and on their placement on my body and symbolically. The Crowley deck is one of the most rich, well-developed decks of of any tarot deck, essentially. So if you get into that... So are you a big tarot guy? I did not know this. So I'm not a reader by any means. I don't know how to fucking read or set up a deck. Like there are, you know, as it shows in the movie, the woman is placing... You're not Paquita's mom. I'm not Paquita's mom. I I don't know any sort of... um, uh, they're called. Uh, I'm tr- I'm drawing a blank, but there's a spread. Sorry, I don't know specific spreads. My interest in the tarot uh, springs from my just general interest in the occult, which comes from a psychological sim- symbolological uh, uh, reason. I don't. I don't. I, I am an atheist. I, I have no uh, any. I have no interest whatsoever in what would be considered a mystical supernatural aspect to these things. I don't think that they exist. I'm purely interested in them from a psychological, uh, uh, symbolic, uh, standpoint. I never, so that, I did not know any of this. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I don't really research or read it as much, but for years I, I was, I was very interested in mysticism and the occult. Did you recognize so, the the deck in the movie as being an Aleister Crowley deck? 
Yeah, I recognized it instantly because the back of the cards have a very distinct symbol. It's of a Rosicrucian cross, a multicolored Rosicrucian cross. But the the cards themselves, as it's said in the in the research, they're not; those aren't the deck cards. They're different. They're something that somebody else came up with. So yeah, because also I don't know if you noticed this, but she says something about like the the Black Knight or something like that, and then he reads he reaches for licorice called like Black Knight licorice or some shit right. like that. Yeah, so there's um, that significance and, and connection, but there's no Black Knight in in the tarot deck at all. There's no such right, thing. Right, that must have been one of the two that they specially made. But yeah, um, wow. Okay. I'd love to explore your body further on a later podcast. <laughs> I, w- I would love to talk about it. I actually, I forgot completely all the different connections that I made with having these put on my body. But there, there was, there was a multitude. There was a litany of reasons why symbolically I put these specific cards on, on me. So anyways, so later when I do the outro, the outro music for today's episode was provided by John Mayer. Uh, your body <laughs> is a wonderland. <laughs> All for you, bud. <laughs> so there okay. you go. There's there's my little discussion about tarot. I I'm so bl- you surprise me with every episode. Um, <laughs> okay, well I didn't. You know, if I offended you with my tarot shit talking, I didn't mean to. But no, you didn't whatsoever. I, I fully expect it. Then I'll double down and say. Fuck tarot <laughs> again. And for all our tarot listeners, fuck you too. <laughs> Stop listening. Yes. Um, okay. The Sumatran Sumatran rat monkey being stolen from Skull Island is obviously a nod to King Kong, who yeah. is Skull Island. Um, but going along with that, there's another connection because, like I said off the top, Peter Jackson is a huge King Kong fan, but uh, there was an actor, Forrest J. Ackerman, who's only accredited as being uh, a fleeing extra in a crowd in the 1976 version of King Kong, the one with uh, Jessica Lange and and Jeff Bridges. Um, He is the guy who takes the picture while when Vera is smashing in the head of the rat monkey with her high heel, (laughs) (laughs) which is just Peter Jackson's way of sneaking in more King Kong bullshit um i don't i will have you guess how many times is uncle less hit in the dick in the final act of the movie because it's it's repeated five separate times okay well then (laughs) were you guessing or did you know that no i knew that oh fuck okay um i would have thought more of you if uh, (laughs) it was a guess it's just Uh, a one stab in the dark nope i knew that the song played on the organ um, as the mourners kind of wait to enter the church is the song Sodomy from Peter Jackson's Meet the Feebles, uh, which is a, a great callback because uh, yeah. I would have never actually recognized that um, having not watched Meet the Feebles a thousand times. I've, you know, I've watched it a handful of times, uh, but that's a cool little thing. Mm-hmm. Peter Jackson um, – plays the undertaker's assistant in this uh and it's like eerily similar to his character in bad taste i think his name is derek um he plays like this like drooling slithering idiot in both which is fun (laughs) uh and i wish he would have like kept up this like alfred hitchcock uh uh trope of being in all his movies that because he could have easily snuck into all the Lord of the Rings. He already looks like a fucking hobbit 
Right. <laughs> he could have been in all those. Um, but I, as far as I know, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm just going to say this. I didn't even research this. I'm pretty sure he only makes an appearance in Dead Alive and Bad Taste. Obviously, he wouldn't be in Meet the Feebles because it's a, it's a fucking puppet movie. But yeah. um, I don't so think I'm, he makes an appearance ever again in his movies. I'm, Unless there's, there would be a puppety oddball version of Peter Jackson. But he he could have been a voice, and maybe he's in the Frighteners. I've never, I've not seen that in a fucking minute. But um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go ahead and say he's not. Um, the span. This is this I thought was fucking super fun. The Spanish title of this film is "Tu Madre Se Ha Comido a Mi Perro," which is literally "Your Mother Ate My Dog." <laughs> yes, I, <laughs> I is, love that little tidbit. That's so good. It, it's so unnecessary to name it that. <laughs> like, like literally not necessary at all. Like, it, it's not. But I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for the leap of uh, logic there. What else do you have to add to the research pile? I only actually have two others um, that I think you didn't mention. The one I kind of touched upon when I said Simon Pegg uh, would be a good recast for Lionel. Uh, Simon Pegg said that, that this movie was one of the main influences on Shaun of the Dead. So that's pretty cool. And I, I did see that. that. Yeah. Um, the other one is there was actually a lawsuit filed against this movie. Uh, it was entitled Bradley versus Wingnut Films. And it was... The Tombstone shit? Yeah, it was yeah. that the movie had infringed upon the privacy of the plaintiffs by containing pictures of the plaintiffs, plaintiffs family tombstone tombstone. So there was that. Pew, pew, nerd alert. Fuck that guy. Like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> what, a is, what a wiener. <laughs> actually, to, to tie this back around, he gets the Stephen Holden Award for dude most likely to fuck his wife with tube socks. That it goes to that guy. Yeah. It all what comes a- back. What a Nimrod. Like, what a, like, what a fucking killjoy, wet blanket, Nimrod fuck-up you have to be. And from what I read, the tombstone was, like, partially obscured. Like, you could only read, like, three or four letters on it. Like, who gives a shit, you fucking asshole? Yeah, but you know, it was probably somehow, some way, it was just some dick that was... This is this would be considered a frivolous lawsuit, as they say. Well, Peter Jackson should have doubled down and reshot the scene in the cemetery and just had the hooligan pissing on that dude's tomb, on that, <laughs> that dude's family tombstone. It has been like, why don't yes. you suck these balls? Cause I'm going to about to do Lord of the Rings and I, you can take me to court for any amount of money and I won't fucking matter to me, but <laughs> this dude pissing on your fucking mom's grave, is going to be forever eternal. So yeah, I agree. Asshole. Okay. Fun. Okay. We're done with the wiki wormhole, so let's move on to rating this movie. Um, we always come up with some sort of iconography uh, for the five out of five, or you know, out of out of five blank. Um, I came up with five bloody bowls of custard. Ooh, that's a good one. I had five cell wins, five baby zombie cell wins. Mm. Which do you like more? I like both. Just I like be. both too. Um, let's go. I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna stick with mine. I okay. almost said five cell. I'm, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say five cell ones because it's immediately recognizable. So a little baby zombie. Out of five cell ones, I gave this five out of five. It's the perfect uh, fucking. So did I. <laughs> <laughs> the boys back in town. 
Yeah, it's super fun. I mean, if you don't it's like the perfect movie. Yeah, it's it great. Is. It's it's in, you know, and as was implied, even the the stodgy stuck-up folks in the the British film rating convention whatever even was like yeah this is fun you know whatever and this is like a, a country that came up with the video nasties even this these people were like sure why not oh you could let your your child see this that's my yeah, yeah. they, they didn't and even the the uh, film board in new zealand wanted to give it a a, a 15 rating an nc15 rating which means that, yeah. you know 15 years or older and then they thought better of it and moved it up to 17 but they were even like this is so absurd that like we don't this this doesn't offend our sensibilities maybe because there's that scene with lionel and i didn't bring this up in the research but it's a fucking great scene when he's eviscerating everybody he takes a turn to quickly turn around the queen of new zealand that picture yes. of, of the queen and then yes. like a, a bunch of fucking gross viscera hits the back of it i love that scene is so fucking fun and and hilarious that he still yeah. had presence of mind to honor <laughs> to honor the queen but the queen, yeah the queen five, mother yeah. five out of five uh we're both on the same page where on the midnight flicks clock is this <sighs> That's tough because again, we just we just ourselves said that this is this could be like a kids movie, but it is super gory and super disgusting. So it's in this weird kind of ambiguous area. So I don't know. I mean, eleven o'clock. I w- I mean, I definitely think it starts at twelve, and you can go from there. Just me personally, I feel like it is like a midnight movie for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then you would just scale it up from there. Let's say, okay, it's, yeah, midnight then. We'll just say midnight. You could definitely start with midnight and then based on whatever, you could move it up to one, two, or three. Like, you know, if people are puking because of the custard shit, then <laughs> I, don't <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, I would say it it's definitely fits this idea of a midnight flick. Um, yes. What's on the next episode, bud? <laughs> oh, buddy. <laughs> So I actually was so excited about talking about this movie that I just started watching it today. So okay, you're ahead. I'm I'm jumping ahead. I don't know if I'll finish it today, but I did start it. Um, And I also felt like, well, we needed a good palate cleanser from all the blood, guts and gore and just repugnance of this movie with even more blood, guts, gore, violence, and repugnance. So the sound of music, (laughs) exactly, which has Nazis in it. So that's true. There we go. Um, so we can get our fill of Nazis. Uh, no. Um, so for next week, my friend, we're going to talk about the story of Ricky, AKA Ricky. O. have never seen it. I've always wanted to see it. So, well, here we go. Uh, be one of those uh, where I'm seeing it for the first time and you've seen it a bunch, I assume. I can't wait for your virginal eyes to be to bestow this masterpiece of a movie. I'm very, very excited. Uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, I don't have a large uh, breadth of martial arts knowledge, but this has always been on my radar as something I've always wanted to fucking watch so i'm i'm very excited well this is a good one to just if you want to dive into gonzo 
nutty, over the top kung fu movies. This this is a this is a big daddy right here. Fuck yeah! I couldn't be any more excited, honestly. Okay. I kick ass for the Lord. Well, this has been another deep dive into Midnight Movie Madness. Big thanks to Charlotte Blythe for providing our intro music. Our outro music is brought to you by death metal band Cystic from Seattle. If you're a band looking to submit a song or a listener looking to submit a question, feel free to shoot us an email at midnightflixflixpod at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram at midnightflixpod. For Adam Walker, I'm Pat Mitchell. See you next week. I kick ass with my own